You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. At that time, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, went up on the mountain and sat down there. Great crowds came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed him at his feet and he cured them. The crowds were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the deformed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind able to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for fear they may collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where could we ever get enough bread in this deserted place to satisfy such a crowd? Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few fish. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets full. The Gospel of the Lord. Isn't that an interesting detail at the end? They picked up the fragments left over. And we find the same in the first account of the multiplication of the loaves, which we remember just north of here in Tabga. And today's reading refers to the second multiplication of the loaves, which is remembered on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, on the eastern side. And both occasions, Jesus makes sure that the disciples pick up the fragments that are left over. What a beautiful lesson about the respect for food. And that particular food was a special gift of kindness, of charity. Maybe all food is the amount of work that goes into sowing grain, preparing the soil, uh, harvesting it, milling it, baking it, preparing it uh, for preparing the dough. It's a lot of work, a lot of heavy work. Families do that to provide for their family and provide for others to earn a living doing it and doing it well. And so there's a lot of love put into food. Maybe we need to recover Jesus' sensitivity before the value of food. It could help us to become people of greater care for nature and for respect for the work people put in to make food available to us. And some of our food today comes from very far away because of the ease of transport and the speed of transport around the globe. And it's not unusual to have food with the primary sources coming from the other continents and arriving to our table And a lot of science and industry and technology has been developed to provide us with this food and to to prepare it for us. All of the 
intelligence that goes into preparing ovens, the intelligence that goes into preparing the energy that's delivered in a very uh, practical and clean way possible into our homes to prepare bread. There are obviously bigger themes in a way, but if we take care of the details of taking care of food, it will also help us in a culture of respect for our world and the gifts of our world. We pray at the preparation of the Eucharistic bread, and we pray, it's, we call it the fruit of the earth and the work of human hands. And hands don't work by themselves. They need a whole person connecting the hands and moving the hands. So it's really the personal effort that's invested and given and dedicated to this preparation of food, to this act of service, this act of love. You know, how hard it would be to survive two days without a meal in normal, healthy conditions where one is working and expending energy. And we, we need it. It's something urgent that we need. How children cry when they're hungry, little babies cry. Uh, how people can get very antsy and nervous and difficult if they're hungry. And so many peoples have been forced to accept and endure hunger and consider that a daily reality which is another motivation for us to consider how we treat food, how we waste food, how we throw away food without any sense of responsibility, of communion with the whole world, and of the gift it is from God. And food is such a genius blessing for our lives. It's so compatible with us. It's so necessary for us, and it also is a source of joy. And then it's a source of communion when we eat together in the family, with friends, and in other moments. And then obviously, food here in this regard becomes prophetic. And Isaiah is talking about a feast of rich food and choice wines. Juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. It's a very concrete language. You know, Isaiah has remarkable capacity of observation and brilliant expression of what he sees and also in a poetic way. And so we have this consolation that he is offering a people who are in exile who are probably living on bits and pieces and leftovers, who are making ends meet with great difficulty and sadness of being away from Jerusalem, being away from their homes in Judea, being in exile in Babylon. And so we have the Psalm expressing the same thing. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. My cup overflows. Beautiful at the Shabbat celebrations, the Jewish people have a custom, and many do it this way, they have their cups for the wine, uh, sometimes they're small little cups, but they fill them up and the meniscus is visible. And I am often fascinated how a person can very quickly fill all the glasses and give them all a meniscus. It's a, a great uh, accuracy and 
just the right measure and it doesn't, over, it doesn't spill over, but it's ready to overflow. My cup is overflowing. This is a very beautiful image. And we see how this dovetails with the gospel story today of the multiplication of the loaves. People who are hungry, people who need, and Jesus' heart responds to them. That's very, very beautiful. And there we have the feast today of St. Nicholas, who is really a saint and a patron and, a, and an ideal of generosity. And the story goes that there was a, a man who had three daughters and he couldn't afford their dowry. And I'm not sure how all the social context was, but he would lose them to slavery. And the story goes that Nicholas threw the money through the window for them and that the money landed in their shoes that were drying at the fireplace. I don't know if you know much about that in your advanced cultures and countries, but I know that story when we were children in the farm, working in the farm in the rain, and we wanted to dry our boots or coming back from school in the rain, and we needed to dry our clothes and our boots. So this idea has become a customs in some countries of how they celebrate St. Nicholas. And from there we have, through the Dutch language, the feast of Santa Claus is derived from this, you know. And so here we have a beautiful image of giving to people in need. And surely this charity of St. Nicholas at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth centuries uh, is is a response to the generosity that God uh, provides. And there's another big connection. One of the things we know with the Eucharist, this food that God gives us, it's the medicine for death. He who eats this bread will live forever. And this is the, another stunning part of Isaiah's prophecy today, that God is saying, I will destroy forever the veil over the people, the veil of death. Prophecy of resurrection already in Isaiah. What a powerful expression of this gift of life. And we know that as we participate in the Eucharist, it's the bread of life. He who eats this bread will live forever. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.